Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord. My soul to take. My name is Adam Hellerman, but everyone calls me Bug. I live in Riverton, Massachusetts, a small town notable for fishing, tourism, and the Riverton River. The Ripper was killed 16 years ago today, the very night that seven of us here were born. Some say we share more than just a birthday. They found Jay Chan in the river this morning. He's dead. Pray for our souls, Bug. He's coming. Hello? There's been no clue as to who this killer might be. If he was evil enough, somebody you thought was dead come back alive? Souls live on. Do you think the Ripper came back to take his revenge? What if his soul went into one of the seven kids who were born the night he died? Bug? Pray for our souls, Bug. But which one? Do you know who your father was? Take a look in the mirror, Bug. Not that I can remember. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Heart Guide Media presented Sight and Sound podcast. Eric, what up? How we doing? Glad to be back. Yeah, I'm gonna back. be a fun yeah. one today. Yeah, we're we're diving back into one of our one of our boys, one of our masters, Mister Wes Craven, with 2010's "My Soul to Take," his second to last feature before his unfortunate and ultimately too soon passing in 2015. So five years later, Wes uh, was gone. But we got an original written and directed film five yeah, years and before. Um, and this is this is an interesting one because it has a lot of fresh faces, especially for the time. Um, again, written and directed by Wes. Uh, back to the teen element. And, you know, we get this in fall 2010. Comes out. Um, did you see this in theaters? I did. I did. I can't remember exactly who was with me. I know my brother was with me, but I can't remember if it was just me and him or if anybody else went. But we did go uh, see it in theaters. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I think you guys got you and Brian got it when it came out on DVD Blu-ray. And we watched. Yeah. Uh, you showed me it at your place. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, hyped on it. Um, I know we'll get into it, but yeah. So, but a budget of twenty five mil, filmed in it looks like Connecticut area. Yeah, all Connecticut. Um, 
So budget of 25 mil, opening weekend did 6.8, only grossed 14.7 in the U.S. and worldwide it was 21. So a flop beyond flops, but hey, aren't all some of the best movies of all time <laughs> fucking financial disasters? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, probably some of the biggest classics of them all, I'd imagine. There's some were uh, at the times flops, but. This one hasn't picked up the steam that I I feel like it should it should have. But well Wes too. Wes was a guy that kind of really truly operated yeah. within the studio system. And Wes was kind of one of the more so than Carp, more so than George, more so than Toby or anybody else really. Uh Wes was continuously dealt hands of shit. And he just kinda always made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh for the most part, I mean, especially the last decade of his of his filmmaking career. Well, we'll say two decades. We'll bring it back to ninety five. The de- the debacle with Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy, like, and not not so much the film. The film was entertaining and funny, and I've always liked it. And I know it's not another financial flop, but um, and then cursed ten years later in 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 two thousand five just insane bullshit with the Weinsteins. Um, right. Just all kinds of issues with making that film pretty much shot two films. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, he's continuously been dealt shit hands and just did it the best within it. That being said, I don't, I don't think there was any kind of actual, uh, I guess, big issues with making this film. But it didn't do as well. It kind of suffered the fate of some of those other later Wes Craven films. But I really think this film really holds up pretty well. And I loved it when I first saw it. I want to say that was probably when I'm not sure when I saw it, maybe like spring or whatever to 2011. So like that, I think it was right before we saw Scream 4. Um, And but yeah, like uh this is a Wes Craven film that I think is a really nice penultimate uh, swan song for him. You know, the second to last film he did. I think it's a it's cool that we got one last written by, directed by Wes Craven film. Yeah, yeah. That's, that wasn't a screen film as well. Not saying there's anything yeah. wrong with a screen. No, but no. Yeah. You know, he, his hands are all over this, obviously, writing and directing it. Um. I know we talk a lot about movies that are we always talk about how some films are overrated or or whatever but I personally think that this one really is and it, and it goes with a lot of the other ones it's you know if you look at Wes's catalog you're not going to rank this as his best movie but and I think sometimes people get too hung up on that stuff like oh yeah you can't just well it's not better than this or better right. than that but uh, you know I I I just think you you got to sometimes take it for what it is and and I just I know you feel the same way. I mean, when it comes to horror, there's a lot of subgenres within horror, but I think slasher films reign supreme, obviously. Um, and this is very much a slasher that represents that time period of, of 2010. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's got him written all over it. I mean, he, he wrote it, he directed it, uh, an original idea from Wes. And I just think that looking at it from that perspective as well, just like, before you even see it, thinking about how rad that is alone. And then, and then watching the film and it's just a fun ass 
you know, slasher set in a small sleepy town with, you know, the high school elements uh, mixed in and, and who's popular and who's not. And, and, and it, again, it's an original story. Like that's another thing. Like, yeah. Not a remake of something. It's not a sequel of anything. It's, it's, in it's 2010. what people, you know, it's funny. It's what people ask for, but then when it, it arrives, it, it gets, you know, no one goes to it's, see it. Like it, it gets ripped apart. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it doesn't it, make any sense. This harkens back to our discussions about Halloween ends. Like, everyone wanted, you know, everyone wants the same thing from a Halloween film. They don't want something different. Every time they're given something different, they don't fucking like it. Right. Or they're always comparing it to something else. And it's like, you right. can't do that. Like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came around one time. You know, Halloween came around one time. Black Sabbath came around one time. Motorhead. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. And then that's what gets me sometimes is, is, is the comparing to previous stuff. Like you can't always do that. Like, you know, something is, comes out and it's amazing. And then, yeah, like, I don't know. And, and we just got hung up on people get hung up on that shit. And you're very right with Halloween dance. It's the same exact shit. It's like, and you know uh, what? I, I didn't really, part of me doesn't understand it, but you know, I, I was thinking about this recently and it's because they know what to expect. So that's right. what they want. It isn't. I don't even think that it's like an innate thing for them to immediately dislike it because it isn't. It's like a pizza. It's like, OK, let's say you move out of town. The pizza shop you remember going to as a kid, you remember the taste of the pizza and how it is. Now, right. if you come back into town every six years and every time you go there, they're doing something with the cheese pizza that you order. They're like, ah. We did instead of using just mozzarella, we threw some Asiago on there and also shredded a, a little something else on there, and we we sweetened the sauce and did this. It could be good, but you're gonna not look at it as as good as the other one because it's not what you were expecting, and it is it's not bringing that nostalgia back that you that you've built up in your mind, and that slice could be better than what you got as a child but you don't give a fuck about it being better you want what you remember and you want what's right exactly yeah i mean that's a great that's a great analogy for that it's it's the truth so but this film like i said i mean if you're a fan of of, of a slat of slashers um i just don't know what you could really pick apart about this it's a it's an original idea the story is very original i think anyway um and again it's got one of the kings. We always talk about these kings writing and directing it. So, yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, without further ado, let's get that BT synopsis. I mean, uh... <laughs> this is a real treat, folks who are listening here. We got the the shortened but uh, to the point BT BT synopsis here. How come I don't see it? I don't know. Let's see here. We are... Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Maybe it was one of those ones where if you listen to it, it's gone. Because I don't see it either. Yeah. I don't even see where we responded to it. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, let's hold off on the BT synopsis for now. <laughs> um, 
But it is, I mean, to give a quick overview so we don't um so we don't um spoil BT synopsis. Uh you know, this is I it was interesting to see Wes go back to probably his youngest cast since Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, yeah, Shannon Elizabeth might have been. Of... Yeah, like we, we were getting like older teens and middle in uh, early 20s in most of his other films, but this has got to be his youngest cast since Nightmare on Elm Street, right? I would think so. I mean, unless they just unless they just look younger. But yeah, I mean, I think that majority of that cast uh, obviously made up by uh, people who are supposed to be in high school they looked in, they looked the part that's for sure well while we get ready for bt's uh synopsis um and it may never come who knows we may be finished by the time it comes uh yeah. but regardless it you know you have it starts off with this you know so there's murders happening uh there's clearly this guy named uh abel who we find out is the you know the the murderer, but is a seemingly put together individual who is about to have ready to have a child, uh, another child, uh, and mm-hmm. is you know married his pregnant wife, and a stormy night. He's the guy's what he's possessed or he's he's got multiple personalities. Yeah, he's like not, I'm, I was. Fucking no. I always, I always took it as yeah, like schizophrenic is what I took it as, something like that. But has some kind of evil alternative side to himself. And he ends up uh murdering his wife and her born her son that was unborn. Him and six others are born on that night that this man the Abel who is the murderer known as the Ripper. Uh, yeah. The Riverton Ripper. Riverton Ripper. Uh, his son and six others were born that night. So it's a big thing within the town that that night that the Riverton Ripper tore ass through the whole fucking town. Seven people were born on the same night and they all go to the same high school and their cohorts. And there's the high school element where they're all in were introduced to them modern day with them all celebrating their birthday. Correct. The subdivisions of the high school of the popular and the unpopular. And, and you're very much thrown into that, which, you know, it was represented in a lot of movies, but I think it's, it's a realistic look at how high schools are. So it's not like it's a, an unoriginal by idea by any means. It's just, uh, it's just the way things are. So, yeah, we got, uh, John Margo, uh playing Alex uh Max uh I think it's Terrio or Terrio I think it's Okay Max. okay now he it's funny this is one of the first things and he's my age which is crazy um that's the first thing I've seen him in is this and he's went yeah. on to have a fucking insane career already yeah, he's a, he's a big TV guy now. Big TV guy. I mean, he was on Base, Base Motel, right? Base Motel. He's on um, apparently a new show. I saw as well recently. Uh, Fire Fire Country. Yeah, I think he, he was on a show with Dave. 
on a show with David Boreanaz from like uh, at Seal from Buffy Team. and such. A Seal Team, that one. Yep. Yep. Ah, uh, so he's kind of went on and really carved himself out as being a TV actor, and honestly, like super recognizable now. He looks so young in this, which is funny. He was the same age as me. It fucking blows my mind. But yeah, just has that look, I guess. Uh the kid that plays Brandon. Uh, Nick Lashaway. He had like a perfect little pecker head. Oh, he died, dude. Oh, oh yeah, died twenty sixteen. I see at the age of twenty eight. Wow. R.I.P. R.I.P. Nick yeah. Lashaway. Jesus. Rest in peace, Nick. Um. Yeah, uh, I think was... you gotta mention uh, the the first gentleman you mentioned, John. Uh, Matt Magaro or whatever is uh was played still on uh yeah in it, the uh, Sopranos movie there. Yeah, Many Saints of Newark uh played Sill. I fondly remember him in Overlord. Overlord Yeah, that was a May, Overlord low key sicker than dog shit. Yeah, that movie was awesome. Uh Kurt Russell's son in that one as well. I'm pretty oh, sure. I didn't realize that that was Kurt Russell's son. I think it's uh, was it Wiley uh, Wyatt Russell? I think I could be wrong about that, but I thought he was in that one. Um, yeah. So no, he, yep, Wyatt Russell. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like I think he's great in this too. Um, the cast is really fun. These younger kids really come out and Zena Gray pay, playing Penelope, Denzel Whitaker, no relation to Forrest. Um. <laughs> Playing Jerome, uh, oh, Paulino Zinski, uh, Ozolinski, uh, playing Brittany, um, Raul, Raul Asparaza playing Abel, uh, Jessica Hatch playing May, uh, a lot of great actors in here, uh, familiar faces, a lot of those faces that you're like, hey, I know that person, but I don't know their name type actors, yeah, like, uh, I totally forgot. Yeah, like Frank Grillo obviously has a, yeah. a role, and like uh, the girl who played uh, Michonne from The Walking Dead is in it as well. A small role. Thought that was really cool. Yeah. But B- Bug and Alex are the closest of the two, and they are they are best friends. Two two born on the same night, and we are. So we got, um, yeah, we got like the breakdown of like Alex and Bug being like, you know, best friends. Um, obviously, Brandon being the dickhead quarterback type, right. uh, all part of that. Uh, you get like a real, you know, there's definitely like that whole, those murders and those kids being born. The town uses, you know, the births of seven kids to kind of, bring light to the darkness of what the Ripper murders, the Riverton and Ripperton murders were and bug being, you know, we end up finding out spoiler alert that he is the son of Abel, the, the Ripperton or the, the Riverton Riverton Ripper. Ripper yeah. Did we mention that his sister uh, is uh, like kind of the bully of, of the, of the story? One of the bullies of the story she's, too. Yeah. She's like a, the mean girl for sure. Yeah. She is the mean girl. Fang, I think is what the, the character. Yes. Now, now I love the, 
like I said, he, he really brings in the high school element. You get a feel for it. I love, love the classroom scene where they're presenting the project where, where Alex dresses up in the, what the fuck is it? It's a uh, California condor, California condor outfit and like spews some shit on Brandon. Uh, really, like I yeah, said, I really like cool. building that teen element, Um, which is interesting that Wes can, of all people, can really being in his you know 60s at that point or no early 70s i think he was 70 when he did this um he can really tap in to the high school and the adolescent just as he did in elm street and being in a 70 year old man at the time 70 71 year old man he could still tap into like the youth i feel like this one if you told me the 70 year old man directed this and wrote and directed this i don't know if i would have believed you yeah, I mean, for sure. He definitely obviously had his... Uh, he was a hip cat. A hip he's a hip cat. cat. He also, like, you know, he was a professor, right, for a bit. So I'm sure Been around students helped. a lot. Uh, and yeah. then, like, you know, just, like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street. And then, you know, I know we'll probably... I, I mean, Scream as well, obviously. Scream, you know, those that had a high school... Obviously, they were in high school as well. So that was a big high school element. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he probably... With the characters... I'm sure he knew like what he wanted with the characters and 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 got it out of the the actors and actresses as well. So now, who did? And there's, I like how they kind of they play like they play several sides of the die here, and you don't know what is it a ghost? Is the Riverton Ripper obviously starts the murders start up again, and the kids exactly the kids that were all share the same birthday anniversary of the Riverton Ripper start dying. So they play it like there's obviously someone dressed up in a Riverton Ripper outfit that kind of looks like George Clinton meets uh, like Rob Zombie in, in 92. Like Mick from Slipknot. <laughs> oh, big <laughs> Mick, like Mick from Slipknot vibes. <laughs> Mick Thompson from Slipknot vibes for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, yeah. The, what I like about this story too is, is we'll get into it, but like that's another part, of, another element about what I liked about this is like, is it supernatural? Is it an actual human? And then like a lot of the characters throughout the story were kind of, uh, they would do something or say something that would put you on to them. Uh, and, and that's where the acting came in. And I thought that was, that was a cool element of the story as well. Where like, you're kind of were like left, like what the hell is it? Like, did he not, did the river original Ripper not die? Like, is this a ghost? Is this somebody that they know? Is it, is it the main character? Is it bug? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, every, everything going every Avenue, everything's on the table. Exactly. Is it supernatural? Is it a ghost? Is it actual, actually able is able still alive? Is it, is it one of the kids? Is it a parent? Is it, is it fucking, you know, it's, yeah, that, everything's on the table. Sometimes things are very, um, you know, like it's 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 right there for you. Like, you know, you see it and you're like, this is stupid. But, uh, um, you know, I thought this one was, like I said, it kind of kept you guessing and it wasn't predictable. I didn't feel like at all. So, yeah, it's uh, and it's one of those movies that I think. I remember watching it. For like a second or third time and i remember watching it like i think like a day after halloween one year and i was really just like kind of really impressed and i was just like man this is like really fun it's a fun movie 
Like it's it's entertainment. It's very good entertainment. I'm not saying it's you know deserves all these awards and blah 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 blah, but it's really it's really a, a fun a fun flick. Um, yeah, I think I think from and maybe with YouTube, but for me, it's also like there's always nostalgia in a lot of these movies because of like the settings, like this movie, like take like shot in, in Connecticut, of course, but like like kind of i believe it's like fall time and it's like in northeast like we grew up in a small town in the northeast you know what i mean so like a lot of the stuff, a vibe yeah like you, you kind of connect with it and that's another thing i liked about this was you know i i i just felt like a like home to me you know what i mean it felt like it, it was northeast town um you know small town vibes i, I really connect with that kind of stuff it draws me in so that was another part of it that that i really liked now the big question were you surprised who it was? Or are you, yes, I, don't, I, I feel like I, I feel like you couldn't be too surprised because everything was so on the table. I didn't know what to. I mean, I, I will, I do remember watching it originally and I, 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 I thought I was surprised because I actually thought, and I don't want to give this away for anybody, but I thought it give was. Give it away. Uh, it's fucking movies. Fucking 12 yeah, true. Years I, I, I was going back and forth. I thought it was his best friend there, the Magaro's uh, character. I thought it was him for when it, there's a scene towards the end uh, before you really find out, and it, and that's when I really they take it in that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. How about you? Yeah, it being him, like I I wasn't I guess wasn't surprised, but it was cool. Right, right. I mean, I think. Because of like the schizophrenic thing and, and the whole storyline of like them being born on that night and absorbing like whatever, and that and that that's the thing too is like is it like is it his like soul transferred into fucking Alex's like you know fucking psyche type thing, right? And that's what I mean. Like they and like that's what, with some of the dialogue and like uh the actors or actresses would be saying something and then all of a sudden you you like they would deliver a line where it was like completely different than how they had been delivering most of their other dialogue right right just to like throw you little bits and pieces of shit like here and there like you know like kind of lure you in and uh and that's where i think west did a great job with that i think he's done a great job with like any of his like like same with the scream movies like i know you can say what you want about some of this some of them but I don't know if there was ever like a blatant like seeing for the first time watching one of his like any of the screams anything that he directed where like you have to like a who done it type of thing. I don't think he's ever like really just like you you pinpointed it at least not for me anyway. So you know this is this is definitely like a movie that I'm shocked. Um, I guess I'm just shocked that it's uh, Wes can kind of be a chameleon in a lot of aspects because I feel like he. Any movie he does, I feel like has is there's still that West like feel to it, but it's all they're all like if you told me the guy that directed Cursed in this, I would be like, OK, I can kind of see that. But if you told me that it was the same guy that directed Vampire in Brooklyn or right or like um like Deadly Friend or something like I don't know if I would get I I would be like this guy can he can really change and alter and really do a lot of different stuff without being kind of pigeonholed into like a one certain vibe or style in a sense that I think maybe George most for the most part did, or even carp did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, 
say what you want about. I mean, I think in a lot of people's eyes, he revitalized the genre, or like if not a genre, a subgenre. Like Scream was massive for horror. I mean, how many fucking spin up? Like you know, how much shit came out after that because yeah. of that? Because of him? I mean, uh, massive. And you're right. I mean, he kind of some of his middle films there. You know, I'm saying, you know, beyond the. Uh, you know, Last House on the Left and like, well, even Last House on the Left and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, like he's he's in very different facets. You know what I mean? Like he, he different avenues he's taken with a lot of these yeah, films. Last House on the Left and Vampire in Brooklyn aren't exactly a double feature. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's probably not gonna be a double feature anytime. But uh, and it all goes back to just being able to connect, like you, like we were talking about with the. A man in his, of his at his age putting out a film, uh, you know, centered around high school kids in 2010. I mean, yeah, I think that speaks volumes alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't even it, think I could do that right now. No, I feel no. Like I'm, I'm 37. I feel like I'm uh, so disconnected with that. So, oh, a lot of what Wes always talked about though too was not forgetting like what it feels like to be a kid, and I think. Right. He always talked about that. He always like was kind of in tune with that. Um, more so than any director I think I can think of. I really do think that he could connect, you know, being in his 30s and 40s, like making Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, making Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, being in his uh, 20s and doing Last House on the Left back in the 70s. And then being able to, in his 70s, still capture that adolescent the that adolescent uh feel uh especially you know six decades removed from when he was a teenager it's kind of it's kind of crazy um that he can be that good but some i feel like him more than anybody else really had his pulse on what was hip and that i think is why scream did so well cuz he tapped into the 90s teen and what it was like and what it would be like pre this is before before Columbine. And if you told me that fucking Scream was partially influenced by like a Columbine type thing, I could kind of believe it because like, I mean, obviously to a crazier extent was the Columbine issue. Uh, but when you just think about like that era of like, you know, the turmoil in the school, like obviously, the, like I said, a Maybe a terrible to compare the two, but it just seemed like it was he captured the time. And then when something like that fucking insane tragedy like Columbine happens, it kind of like reflects like the psychosis of like the 90s and how kids were crazy, like to a certain extent. Or I don't know. I feel like he was ahead of the time, like not saying that Scream predicted fucking Columbine or anything like that, but like. It just seemed like the '90s were such like a period, a time, a time and place, and and odd. And like I said, as a po I've said it before, it's '90s were like post '80s for a while. No one really knew what the fuck to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think about it. He also like put out films, uh, centered around teenagers in like three different decades. You know what I mean? Like he in '80s, '90s, you know, 2010. But well, you know what I mean? Like, '70s any, any too, technically. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, it's really, yeah. I mean, he's just like, that's why we always talk about him being one of the best because he really is. I mean, no, he got the idea from Freddy Krueger from a, from a, you know, a memory he had as a child. So I think that 
it's like you were talking about with the holding on to that stuff from his youth. So, yeah, big time. Um, obviously, uh, the little my soul to take stuff, the name and like the little scriptures written. Wes is obviously from a strict Catholic upbringing. Uh, didn't really see his rated R first rated R film, I think, until he was like eighteen or nineteen, and then goes on to be like the the one of the masters mostly associated with rated R films. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, arguably almost an X film. <laughs> I like, mean, yeah. I mean, he he didn't ease his way into uh, the genre. I mean. His first film, right? This is his first film, right? Last House is his first yeah. film, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I mean, there's no swinging. easing there. Talk about swinging for the fence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no easing there. He might have actually, uh, you know, he might have started off the craziest and then worked his way. I mean, then you got like, you know, Hills of Eyes. And so probably the crazier stuff back in his early days. And he kind of, uh, he's like, nah, we just need mass killers now. Yeah. <laughs> now it's, uh, you know, it's wild to to think, though, that he had that kind of legacy where he made films in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and for at least two films in the 2010s, you know, five decades. He was he made films in five different decades. What a what a what a legacy he's left. And um, this is a film, I think, that maybe time. I mean, it's been 12 years. So maybe it'll take another 12 years, but I feel like people really don't yeah. talk about it. But I, I also feel like there's this, um, that people, I feel like people, especially horror, I'll say mainstream horror fans. Right. Dug into, and it's a different generation though, too. I don't think there's a lot, the mainstream horror fan. Well, yeah. Truly uh, gives a fuck about Wes Craven, unfortunately. Yeah, I just think it's also like a time, like you're right. I think there's there's people out there who, as we know, because we're very much, uh, you know, in the genre, whether the you know just watching the films, buying the films, going to conventions. But I just think that there's people out there who like the classics, and they don't give the new shit a chance. Or there's just I just think this movie, like when you said that nobody talks about it, I really feel like there's no other way to put it. Nobody talks about this movie. No, no, like you know no, what I mean. No. Like it, it just doesn't get talked about at all. I don't understand it. Whether that's just people being, they just haven't seen it, or they don't care to see it, or they saw it, they didn't like it. But I personally think being, you know, if you're in, interested in horror and you watch horror, you watch slasher slasher movies, and you like things that are, you know, post 1990. I I just don't know why you wouldn't give it a shot and and like it for what it is. Uh, but like you said, like you know. Who knows how some of the newer, uh, younger people feel about Wes Craven and, and some of the older heads who are horror, you know, they're obsessed with horror. Like they don't want to give it a chance because it's later. But I think it's a great film. Um, you know, again, like you said, it's not winning any awards or anything. It's not going to be your favorite. But and that's the problem is you, you look at it for what it is. You watch it for what it is. It's a it's a. Written and directed Wes Craven film in 2010 uh, with a really great, a great plot, I think so. And an original plot, like I said earlier. So again, hard to find um, something. I feel like a lot of horror fans bitched about for a long time was getting an original movie, you get an original movie. I can understand if you don't like it, but like you said, I don't hear anybody talking about this one no at all. I mean, even kind of when it was coming out and, and it was really, I mean, how do we always joke about it? But I mean, if you watch a, 
trailer with the sick puppies, you know, the greatest band that's ever existed. <laughs> I don't know. Also, I didn't realize this. I don't know if you, I was looking on IMDb and it says that Earth Crisis was on the soundtrack for this. Is that true? Because I don't, song? I don't really. Not, I don't know if you go to if you go to IMDb and look at the soundtrack for it, it uh, it lists an Earth Crisis song. Did they, even have, did they even have fucking a soundtrack for this though? Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, maybe it's just I don't even know. Unless it played uh, in the film and we didn't realize it. All right, if Earth, Crisis, if Earth Crisis was in the film, oh my god, it is too. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I saw that earlier. I was like, I do not. Uh, I don't recall this at all. Uh, that's from To the Death, is it not? I don't yeah, even know. You know yeah, it is. yeah, it is on To the Death. But I guess maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But that just adds to how, that just adds to it, in my opinion. Maybe we gotta reach out to someone in Earth Crisis and be like, uh, "Did you know you were on the fucking?" <laughs> <laughs> I sold the take, fucking. Do you get any kickback from this or what? Uh I hope they know. Wow, that's yeah. fucking crazy. Well, if our if my buddy Ryan Rainbow um listens to this, he uh I I think he he has uh contacts with Earth Crisis. Um, <laughs> maybe he can ask. Uh, he might be tickled by that. Um, but yeah, fucking cool ass flick. Uh, and apparently it's fucking Wes was fucking edge as fuck too through Earth Crisis on the fucking. Like, I've heard he he made it a point. Yeah, he was like down. that's what I'm saying. Like, how did if Earth Crisis was played in the movie, at what point who brought that? It's just uh, someone that's like kind of out of Wes's sight, out of his mind, and someone just was like, ah, I'm gonna get Earth Crisis on this, or is Wes like, wasn't there that? Vegan straight edge man from Syracuse. <laughs> if Wes knew, if Wes legit knew who Earth Crisis was, Wes is goaded forever. Yeah, Plague Bears, right? Is it correct here? Um, yeah, to the death. I gotta think that. You know, thinking about it, it's got to be. You know how like a lot of these movies come out and they just have a score and maybe a couple songs in the film, but like, right? They put a bunch of songs on the soundtrack. It has to be the same with this, right? Like, I don't think that film was actually in. Or that song was in the film, I don't think, but more you know, even if it's associated, I'm cool with it. I know they um that uh, Marco Beltrami did the um did the score for it. Yeah. Uh, well also did the scream all the scream scores and stuff, but uh I, this is this is gonna be I'm gonna dive into this fucking rabbit hole of Earth Crisis being listed on the soundtrack. You have to. We gotta. We gotta get to the. You gotta get to the bottom of it. I'd like to hear about it, because especially because there's what the skinny puppy song, Franz Ferdinand. I heard the Franz Ferdinand song. Sick puppies, yeah, man. Sick puppies. Uh, Sick puppies aren't even listed on here, though. Yeah, that's what I was confused about because that song was in the trailers. Um. I'm getting to the bottom of this. We're contacting Carl. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, fucking, it's a cool ass flick. It's so much fun. It's entertaining. I'll I'll say that it's very it's entertaining. Uh, like you said, and and I said as well. It's not winning any awards. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go down as one of West's best films. Um, but 
I think it's very cool that he did something in his 70s like this. For someone in their 70s to be having output like this and have it be their second to last film behind the Scream, Scream 4. Um, yeah, fuck yeah. Wes Craven, man. Yeah, and if someone's listening to this and, and they haven't seen it or they saw it once when it first came out and they didn't like it, give it another shot. Give it a little whirl, yeah. You need to stop being so critical of everything. So, all right. Um, you should probably let everyone know because I'm sure they're wondering. The BT synopsis is not coming. Lost in the fucking ether, as it were. We lost it in the the in the cloud. Yeah, it's definitely in the cloud. Um. <laughs> so, when are we gonna? When can you pot again? Yeah, whenever next week. Whenever you whenever you want. Uh, cause we got to do uh 30th anniversary episode. Yeah. Ram Stoker's Dracula. Oof. That's going to be a jam right there. I think we're going to get wild with that. I think we got to get wild. Yeah. I think we need to, maybe BT comes on and just cuts like a five minute solid on Winona. Yeah, we got to. We got to get him on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, BT has got to be on. We got to do something. Maybe we can do it during the, you know, Monday or Tuesday or something. But we got to do it. 30th okay. anniversary of fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. We're doing that shit. Hell yeah. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun one. And then, yeah, we'll have, we'll have some shit cooking for December for sure. We need to get together and do another... Uh... Commentary. Watch. Well, yeah, when commentary. That's what so. I'm saying. We got to do. Uh, we got to do a Christmas movie commentary. Oh hell yeah, we're definitely doing that. Well, all right, everyone. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Hard Guy Media. Uh, look us up on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, fucking whatever little rinky dink podcast platform you're using to listen to this. If you're not listening on Spotify or iTunes. Sight and Sound Podcast presented by Hard Guy Media. And yeah, uh, long live Wes. Check out my soul to take, and we'll see you next week for the 30th anniversary of Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992.